Good evening. This is the Kathy Durant Show, broadcasting on PBS Radio on the iHeart Network. I would like to introduce my wonderful friend, Arthur, <laughs> executive producer, all that. Please help me welcome Doris Ellis. Hi, Doris. Welcome to the Kathy Durant Show. Hi, Kathy. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, my God. It is a pleasure. Look at your beautiful tree. Yes, yes. We love doing that here. Uh, decorating for Christmas time here in the country, in Surrey, oh, yeah. Virginia. <laughs> yeah, you always call it the country. It's such a beautiful place. I've had the opportunity to visit a couple of times. It is an awesome, awesome place to come to. Well, again, welcome to the Kathy Durant Show. We're here to talk all about your book. You're an author of the famous book, Going Out of Champion, the Coach Joe Ellis story. Yes. Uh, can you tell us from the beginning, what inspired you to write the book? Oh, Kathy, I'd have to say just sheer loneliness at first. I was just lonely all of a sudden. Uh, I had no one to take care of because my husband had recently passed away. Um, I had family around me, but you can have fam be surrounded by people and still be lonely. And That's then, true. Yes. And then I had all these thoughts going through my mind of the last 22, 21, 22 months, just dates and basketball games and hospital visits, uh, ups and downs with Joe's illness. And everything was in my, just going through my mind. And then another thing happened. One of Joe's best friends was approached by a gentleman who told him to ask me if I would agree to let him be a ghostwriter, uh, you know, on a book for me about Joe's life. And I jokingly said, I can write my own book. You know? <laughs> and you did. <laughs> and I wasn't really serious, you know, but all these thoughts kept coming, you know, to my mind and everything. And then my mind went back to... um the day after Joe's championship game uh, up at the Siegel Center in Richmond, VCU campus, and he had all these uh, reporters around him. I, I wasn't in there with him, but he said it was about 16 or 17, and he told them that he was happy. He said he hoped the Lord would bless him and he could come back next year and do it all over again. He said, but if not, I'm happy. He said, at yeah. least I'll, I'll go out state champion. And so and that's said, where the title that's came the title, from. That's where the title came in. And so just one day I just sat down and start and start putting all my thoughts on paper. That is amazing. Mm -hmm. You know, when I first connected with you and you told me about your book, I kind of treated you like I treat all authors because everybody thinks they got a, they have a really good book. Yes. So I was like, okay, here's how I read. I read until the violin stops. I said, if it stops at the forward, that's all you get. <laughs> I said, but I just read. So I actually purchased your book online and I began to read it and cuddle up on the sofa 
and I read and read and read and read. It was so amazing. You are such a great storyteller. And I told, I, you know, I told you that, it, you know, that's not a natural gift. That's a blessed gift from heaven you can tell you can tell a story and it wasn't sad the book was so good that it it inspired me to adapt it and turn it into a a a screenplay Mm -hmm. so it's going to be a movie now and that's because you and joe ellis are such interesting characters let's talk about how you met him in high school and how you end up with the same last name. That's unheard of. <laughs> yeah. And by the way, I'm glad the violin did not stop playing. <laughs> Me I'm too, because so we wouldn't yeah. be here. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So um, Joe and I, we knew each other. Surrey is a small, you know, rural town. Everybody knows everybody in Surrey. Uh, so we knew each other in high school. We went to um, HBS, HBHS, <laughs> Historically Black, Black High School in Surrey. And uh, we didn't start really talking, you know, until we were seniors. Both of us were on the basketball team. Both of us had the last name Ellis by birth. And uh, both of us in our senior year were issued uniform number 24. So we had this little little joke going, you know, you don't mess with Ellis 24. You just don't mess with it. It was just a joke. We weren't really serious, you know, at first. And then we started, you know, kind of sitting together on the bus after games coming home. They let us sit together if we won. If we didn't. Oh, okay. If we didn't win, the guys couldn't sit with the girls. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. So we, we started sitting together and talking, you know, and and stole a little kiss on the bus, a little first kiss. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. And that, that's how it all started. That's how it started with us during basketball season of our senior year. Well, you know what? Uh, in trying to pitch this movie up, uh, it's going to be such a surprise to people from your book because it's really a love story, but it's not what I set out to do or you set out to do because he did go out a champion, Mm -hmm. Coach Ellis. He did dream of being winning a state championship. And unfortunately he didn't win it until his last year on earth, but he did it. He did it. And I think that's the fire he left in people's belly where they could, they can't stop talking about him. And I'm just amazed by when I come to your area, how people still cry and they're so inspired by Coach Ellis. Let's talk about the kind of man he, well, let's talk about the kind of teenager he was as a star player in high school. People don't know he was a a star player. Let's talk about him. Let's talk about Danny. Yeah, Joe was. He was a star player uh, in high school. Uh, When he was a junior in high school, um, his team went to the state championship. However, he was not allowed to go that night to the game. So the team lost by one point. 
And so that became guilt to him for the rest of his it, life. It, it devastated him. And he just carried that on his shoulders. And I, that became his motivation to have a championship team. He felt like because his team lost by one point, he blamed himself. And all of his life, he carried that burden that he owed Surrey County a state championship. And that's what really motivated him, especially during his illness, to get that state championship for Surrey County. But look how unique that is. Um, you got mm-hmm. the same last name. Mm-hmm. You got the number 24. You got him losing the championship game. You got the coach telling him, son, grow up and come back and coach here. And you got him driven and you guys go to college. So what happens then when you go to college? Well, our relationship had gotten stronger by that time when we went to college. And let's get one other thing straight. Joe was a star player. I was on the basketball team. I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't a star player. <laughs> Look, I was more of a bench warmer. Now I had a pretty mean, I had a pretty mean bank shot. All right. Now. Un- unguarded. Unguarded. <laughs> I could I could make it hit the top of the backboard and drop in. I was pretty good at that. Yeah, but um, no, he was the star. He, I was in I was in the shadows. <laughs> I was, I was in the shadows. You became his girl. That's so right. That so we went off. We went off to I was then Virginia State College, now Virginia State University, in Petersburg, Virginia. Joe went up during the summer because he. Uh, was able to get a summer job for income. So he went up during the summer. And of course, I didn't come up until the beginning of the fall semester. But our relationship got stronger and it continued. Uh, Everybody around campus knew us as a couple. We were, uh, we would play people in in the the lobby. We have good spade players. We're a pretty good team of spade players. And and uh, we made a good team. So there was this one guy on campus. I'll never forget it. Every time we passed him on campus, he'd start singing, ain't no sunshine when she's gone. <laughs> singing every time he saw us. Yeah, <laughs> That's but course, something. Mm-hmm, but of course, during that time, he walked on as a basketball player. He was not on scholarship, but he walked on. Uh, and then he developed high blood pressure, really serious high blood pressure, and couldn't play. So that was another odd thing. Yes. Um, Because he couldn't, he didn't play at a state championship game, and they lost by a point. Mm -hmm. Then he gets to college, and he makes that team, and then he can't play because he's sick. Did he not, he passed out at he did. Uh, yeah, he did. He passed out uh, running laps around the football stadium. Wow. And so running. when did you hear about that? Uh, one of his best friends, also from Surrey County, came to my dorm to tell me that he had been taken to the infirmary on campus uh, because his blood pressure was real, real high. So, of course, I made my way across campus to the infirmary to see about him, you know. But when I got there, he didn't seem sick. But they said he had the blood pressure of a 90-year-old man. 
Whoa. Yes. Oh, sweetie. Okay, you know what? Let's let's take off his sweatshirt. Get rid of pictures of him. You don't have to look at him. Goodbye, Dave. Mom, you don't understand. He's tagged in like 400 of my posts. I can cut out tags. No, that's that's not how it works. What is a tag? <laughs> you don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. Thousands of teens in foster care would love to share their first with you. So how long did it take before you guys decided you were going to get married, uh, engaged? Uh, <laughs> what happened? How did the How did the relationship progress from that day? Yeah, we took a, a bus trip from campus to downtown Petersburg and we walked by a jewelry store. And we walked inside and we saw rings that both of us like and Joe said, I'm gonna lay them away. I said, you are? He said, I am. He said, I love you. I said, well, I, love you. I love you too. And we <laughs> did, <laughs> we laid them away. And from his little job on campus, he would go downtown and make payments on them. Wow. Uh, so one day in the spring, I'll tell you what, it was April the 11th, 1972. Wow. I got paid to come down to the lobby and Joe was waiting for me. And he proposed to me in the lobby of Trinkle Hall on the campus of Virginia State College. April the wow. 11th, You know what? I, after I read the book, I, I said, Doris Ellis makes me want to be a better woman. <laughs> well, all, so these happy. all these wonderful things were happening for you in the book. I was like, oh, my gosh, she makes me want to be a better woman. <laughs> I mean, you guys were, you know, such a couple that that. But then you faced hardships. So let's mm-hmm. let's talk about after you got engaged. So after we got engaged, uh, you know, everybody wasn't happy, of course, uh, but we were very happy. Um, We had some ups and downs during engagement. Everything wasn't hunky-dory, peachy cream, you know, as in any relationship. But we loved each other and we set a wedding date. And we got married on on June 30th, 1973. We did not go back to college right away after that first year in college. We stayed out. He uh, he was able to get a, a very good job that first summer that paid him really good money, especially for that time. And mm-hmm. he wanted to keep it. And so he did. He kept his job. Wow. So you supported and- him with that decision? I did. I really did. Okay. Yeah, because by then, by the time, you know, the semester was over, you know, we were already, you know, talking about the wedding and all all of that uh, to be in about a year from that time. Yes. So I definitely supported him. I I wanted to marry him. Well, well, let's talk about what made him such an outstanding athlete. He he played different sports, right? He played uh, uh, softball, uh, baseball, and uh, tennis. Tennis, yes. He played baseball in in high school. Didn't really like it that much. He didn't like that little tiny ball coming at him <laughs> real fast. Now, when he became an adult and started to play adult league softball, he knocked the cover off it. 
All right. Yeah. Somebody somebody joked uh, not long ago that they're still looking for a ball that he hit over the trees. <laughs> <laughs> and they hadn't found it yet. But yeah, he, he played on the, the company's softball team. For It was the Brown and Williamson Tobacco Company softball team that he played on where he worked. And, and and was an exceptional player, mm-hmm. an exceptional player. So much so that in death, he was um, nominated to the U-Triple-S-A Softball Hall of Fame. Awesome, awesome. Deceased, yes. So what kind of family man was Joe Ellis? Um, you guys have three children, and I know the kids, he was a rock star to him to them. So what what was he like as a father? Joe was a great father. Uh, He came from a large family. Uh, Joe was the oldest of 11 children. Well, yes, the oldest of 11 children. And growing up, you know, his family didn't do a lot of celebrating like at Christmas time. So when Joe became a dad, he went all out at Christmas time. He just wanted his children to experience, you know, some of the things that he didn't get to experience. Uh, He wanted to make sure also that we took them somewhere every year on some type of vacation so they Mm -hmm. can experience, you know, other areas of the country instead of just Virginia. So he 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 was real um, intent on making sure his children had a good life. The Supplemental Security Income Program provides monthly payments to help meet basic needs, like putting food on the table, paying the rent, or buying new shoes for growing feet. You may qualify if your income and financial resources are low and you are 65 or older, or an adult or child with a disability or who is blind. Call 1-800-772-1213 or go to ssa.gov SSI to start to apply. Produced at U.S. taxpayer expense. Let's go back to the book. Um, I remember um, what a good son he was. His his parents were ministers, or, or the father was a minister, Mr. Ellis, and he was such a good son, even though they were not big fans of uh, basketball. He was obedient which made the coaches respect his parents' decision when he had to go to church and he couldn't play. So can you talk about what that was like for Joe and how easy was it for him to be obedient? Was that Uh, his character? That was his character. And he respected his parents. You know, he didn't like it when he couldn't go. But you would never know because if they came to get him or anything like that, he'd just pick up his gym bag and go off the bus without a word. He respected, he did whatever they asked him to do. He was that kind of child. And then he had his younger siblings that were looking up to him, you know. So he showed them the kind of character to have, you know, especially with your parents. Right. You know, obedience. Obedience. Yes. Um, I'd like to say, I'd like, without giving it all away, describe for us what it was like for him to, for his parents to pull the bus over and for him to get off the bus on the way to the game. 
Were you ever bus? on the bus when that happened? I was. Can you describe it for us? Uh, I I could tell that he was a little bit embarrassed, but he didn't. He didn't miss a beat. He got that bag and got off when he had to get well, off. Well, describe describe the whole thing. You're on the bus. The bus is moving, and then what happens? So, couple uh, incidents happened. Uh, we were at school getting ready to go off the yard one day, off the schoolyard to game. And uh, one of his parents drove up and came up on the bus and told him he couldn't go because there was a Bible study or a prayer meeting or something at church. So he got his bag and got off. Uh, and then another time we were on the highway, you know, going out of Surrey, out of the county limits and the bus was stopped by a parent and he had to get off, you know, um, some of the children, especially, you know, teammates and kids around the school, period, tried to retaliate and do angry things. But Joe told her, don't do that. Right. Just don't do that. That's my mom. That's my dad. Right. And he respected them and he loved them. They wanted to draw pictures. And you know how kids are. Right. Uh, but he, he told them, please don't do that. Right. So, so the next day he just had his head, he held his head up high, like nothing happened. He did. He did. Yeah. So he kind of respect for them. Tell us what it was like for the coaches. Were they devastated that the star player would be taken away or did they feel like the team could pull off the win anyways? They were devastated that he wasn't there. Those times that he had to miss, uh, probably could say that they were a little bit angry, you know, that he couldn't, when he could not go. But here again, the coaches respected his, he was, they respected his parents' wishes. They were the parents, yes. not the coaches. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So he had to abide by their rules and, and they knew that. Right. They knew he had to like it, but they lived with it. And we still had a good team. You know, team was still good. Uh, but they were better when Joe was on the court. Oh, that's putting it blunt. Yeah. Kind of mildly. <laughs> but let's talk about your beautiful wedding. What was that like? Oh, wow. It was beautiful. Um, it was in the summertime, June 30th, and it was at my, my church. Uh, everybody appeared to be happy that day. Everybody had grown to love each other, okay? And everybody was happy. Um, my daddy gave me away. My daddy was alive and my mom was alive. They loved Joe. My mama just loved him. If she knew Joe was coming up, uh, to, to ride with my brother and sister to work, you know, she'd make sure she had something for him to eat. She'd give him something to eat before he left. So they yeah. were so happy that we were going to, Joe and I were going to marry each other. They were really, yeah. the wedding day was beautiful. It was just beautiful. That's awesome. Well, let's talk about hardships ahead. After the after the wedding, you guys started your life together. Um, and then you had a fire, right? We, we did. We did. Um, even before the fire, we lost, I lost my mother. Oh. My mother passed away at age 55. 
And um, Joe was as heartbroken as I was because, like I said, they had a really great relationship. Uh, and then I was uh, pregnant with Keisha when my mother passed away. Uh, and then uh, in 1980, we had a house fire and lost everything. And I was pregnant with Joey when that happened. Oh. Uh, before Joey died, my daddy died oh. eight months after my mom, you know. So we had a rough uh, few few months there, you know. But let's, let's talk about the fire that night. Uh, how devastating was that? Oh, that, that woke us up on a Sunday morning. It had snowed the night before. Uh, we had some of uh, some cousins that stayed with the girls that night before with us. And before we went to bed, we uh, turned the stove off. We had a gas range and we turned it off and it didn't go off right away, but it finally went off. So we went to bed, but then early in Sunday morning, we smelled smoke and it woke us up. And so when we went in, the stove was on fire. And we had to get the kids out. Joe went outside with underwear on and that was it. Mm. He took his coat and wrapped it around me. Like I said, I was eight months pregnant with Joey. And we went over to my brother's house next door. Um, Somehow... Joe was able to get on my brother's boots. And my brother has a very small foot. Joe wore 13. Got him on and went back over and moved the car from near the house. In the snow. It had snowed. Yeah. So we, we found out what happened was that the snow began to melt. The ice melted the next morning on the mm-hmm. gas line. Mm-hmm. It caused a, a, a rush of gas coming into the stove. And that's what started the fire. But we lost everything except a few things that God had the fire jump across. That's the only way I can put it. So that's a lot. That's that's a lot for a young couple. And that's what that's what kept me going in the book. It was just thing after thing after thing. When I was in foster care, I never knew when I would have to move. So I always had my suitcase ready to go. Then one day I was adopted. My new parents opened their hearts and home to me. My parents cook my favorite breakfast for me every morning. My parents take me on trips I never thought I would go on. They gave me a home and an even better reason to use that suitcase. My parents aren't perfect, but they're perfect for me. So let's talk about how Joe made it back to his high school as a teacher. Yes. Okay. Um, He finally went back to college after we had been married for a while. He went back to college uh, to work on finishing his degree. uh, And he did that. He was able to accomplish that. He graduated in um, 82, 1982. Uh, And then he was being laid off from the tobacco company, you know, they were closing down the plant in Petersburg and moving it to another location. And Mm -hmm. it happened so that he was graduating in May and they were offering him the job at school as a PE teacher and and assistant football coach. 
Yeah, so during August, when the guys come back for uh, practice, football practice, he worked during practice at, at day, during the daytime, football practice, and then he went to Brown and Williamson and worked from 11 at night to 7 in the morning. Whoa, so what a family all, man. He did that for the whole month of August, so it's not to lose any benefits, you know, from the from the company. While he was while he was starting to work uh, as a teacher, and coach. Mm-hmm. So yeah. when did the when did the moment come where he crossed over from football? Well, let's stop there. Was he a good football coach? He was, was a good, good football coach. One of his main responsibilities, as I remember it, was scouting for the for the uh, coaches mm-hmm. for the head coaches. He and his best friend Irvin. They would send them scouting other teams that they were going to upcoming teams that they would be playing. They would go and scout to find out what kind of team they'd be playing the next week. So that was one of his main responsibilities. Uh, later that? on, he became an offensive coordinator. Awesome. So came. when did the big job come to coach? basketball and did he coach the boys first or the girls first was it varsity or junior varsity he coached uh head coach varsity nice boys uh, he became boys varsity he became boys head coach uh kathy i can't tell you the year right off the top of my head now mm-hmm. <laughs> i know it's in the book um but he coached for about 13 years before he passed away and how many years did it take for him to get a championship, to get a team? It, and and what promise did he make the school that he okay. could win a championship? So, yeah, so our son and another young man were upcoming star foot basketball players. They were playing Joey. 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 Our son, Joseph Jr. We call him Joey. And uh, they couldn't wait. The school couldn't wait for those kids to get out of rec uh, basketball and be able to play high school basketball. So they played middle school and they played junior varsity in the eighth grade. By the time they got into the ninth grade, they were promoted to varsity. So Joe told them to give him four years. Four years. He would have Mm -hmm. a state championship team. However, in three years, they went to the state championship and lost in the championship game by two or three points. That's with Joey playing. That's with jo- with Joey playing. Yes. Well, no pressure, but did Joe tell Joey what happened to him? And when they were up for the championship game when he was in high school, did Joe was Joey aware of that? He was aware of it. He no was pressure. aware. Yes, he was. <laughs> And then when 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 Joey's team, Joey was a junior in high school then. And when they didn't win that um, championship game, then he carried that weight on his shoulder. That, Legacy. Yes. Yeah. That he should have won it for Surrey and for his dad. Because how badly his dad wanted it. And the thing of it, it was that Joey came out in the first half of that game, I mean, on fire. I think he scored about 18 points. Well, first half. And then when the team um, adjusted in the second half, the other team, the opponent, 
they were double and triple teaming him. Well, I don't think Joey scored a point in the whole second half. Because they were on to him by then. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, he carried that weight on his shoulder for Surrey County as well. So how long did it take before they got to 2005? And Joe, I mean, did Joe feel like he had something that year? Did he feel like it was something magical or he was just doing his regular job? Which one? Which, what, 2005? Yes, when when, when he got the winning team, did uh-huh. he know early on, did it feel like this was going to be different for him? And at the same time, he had, uh, he was struggling with his health. Yeah, um, I think he felt good about the team, but he always said that his 1997 team were the better athletes. Really? He said that, yes. So the first year that he was sick, 2004, he had a good team, really good team, and they got to regional competition, but they did not get to state competition. Okay. So what was different about that 2000, uh, 2005 team? What was different? I think what made the big difference was the guys became completely, I mean, they were just determined to win because Joe had gotten sicker. You know, he had gotten sick. He had had surgery. He had, he had pepped back up, gained back a lot of weight, was doing good. And then all of a sudden that next uh, basketball season, his health had started to decline again. And, but he would not miss, he was their motivation. And they were his motivation. They they motivated each other. They did. They did. There's a part of the story that was was so touching. Um, When Joe uh, asked the oncologist, um, uh, could he go and coach from the hospital? He asked, could he go? Because nothing really good happened on the weekends at the hospital. And, And I remember you describing... He called Keisha and said uh, to meet y'all with his suit. Uh-huh. Can you tell us about that? Yes. Uh, he was having some problems and we went to the ER, one of many trips to the ER. And we got up there and um, the doctor uh, examined him and everything and told him he wanted to admit him that Friday and that... Um, they would send him over to another hospital on Monday, okay, from the local hospital. And so he said, Doc, he said, you know, like I know. <laughs> he said, ain't nothing happening at the hospital on weekends. <laughs> he said, I'll sit here. He said, I'll eat. I'll look at TV. And that's it. He said, I got a game tonight, a real important game. And he said, I need to be on the sideline." And so the doctor got busy and he said, told him, let him go, release him, let him go. And so he called Keisha and told her to meet us in Waverly with his suit, told her what suit to get and everything. And she met us and we went on to the school. Um, And when the ball was tipped up, Joe was on the sideline. Did they win that night? No. (laughs) They lost lost that game. That was... um, I think they only lost two games, two or three games that whole season, and that was one of them. 
that was a school he said he could had a hard time beating. Not all people are the same. And yet, when we visit the doctor, our treatments don't look that different. Why is that? Because we just don't have enough information to do it better. By gathering health data from one million people, our country's best researchers will be able to develop treatments that are as unique and complex as we are. With this new information, doctors will have a better understanding of disease so they can innovate the next great breakthroughs in medicine. Learn more at joinallofus.org. Let's talk about his winning uh, streak and how did he get the attention of the media? He was a media child. I mean, I couldn't believe all the coverage. Uh, the, I mean, TV, radio, print, everybody was there for the Coach Joe Ellis story. And when I, I mean, when I describe this to people, it's kind of overwhelming, but you can like go online and see the coverage all the way to, um, well, we know he won, but I'd like to go to after, well, no, that night, that night, there, there's a moment where him and the opponent, the coach, oh, uh, yeah. where they embrace. Can you tell us about that one? Yes. Um, like you said, all eyes were on him because by, by that time, um, you know, it had gotten that national attention, really. So um, the coach from the other team, this was during the semifinal game. The coach from the other team before the game started came over to the bench and told him he wanted to have prayer with him. Wow. So the opposing coach held his hand and they had prayer for Joe um, before the game started. That is amazing to yeah. see men. You know, men are such sportsmen, you know, I, I really like that. That That's a beautiful moment in the book. And uh, let's talk about Joe and the players. Did he ever have problems with any of the players where he had to get them straight and stuff like that? Why, why was he such a hero to them? They saw his motivation and his determination. Um, we, we started calling the players his 13 pills, Joe's 13 pills. Because he seemed to be, you know, he felt better around them, it seems like. Like we said just now, he motivated them, they motivated him. He never had to discipline them. They did everything he asked them to do. You know, never had a moment's problem with discipline the whole season. So what were they like as students playing for him? Students, they were good students. They did what they had to do to to be able to play. Because, <laughs> you know, if your grades aren't right, you're not going to play. And if Joe's the kind of coach, if he knew you weren't performing well in the classroom, he wasn't going to let you play anyway. Mm-hmm. It was just, he knew that, ed- you know, education was why they were in school, not to play basketball. Mm-hmm. So he made sure they did what they had to do to be able to stay on the team and play. So during this time, um, I know it got national attention, but what was it like in Surrey County for you guys and at your church, New Jerusalem, who, which was like your lifeline? What was it like around there in your community? Oh, everybody was excited, you know, in the community, rooting for him, praying for him, for healing. You know, we all believe that we all expected the miracle. We all expected the miracle. 
Uh, and even at the different games and things, you know, if you weren't from the other, the opposing team, everybody else in the stadium was rooting for Joe. You know, they had a, a, a wheelchair. I asked them for a wheelchair during the championship game. We pushed him in in the wheelchair because he said he couldn't walk off the, from where the bus put him off at. He couldn't walk down that ramp to the, um, to the stadium. So the next day they had a wheelchair waiting there for him. But then when it was game time, he he would stand up. He got energy from somewhere, Kathy. <laughs> he got energy from somewhere. He would stand up just like he always did when he needed to talk time out or to, you know, change place or whatever. He would he would get up strength from somewhere to stand up uh beside the bench. So going out of champion, describe for us that night of the win at VCU. I hear it was not a dry eye in the building, even media, people were, <laughs> I think it was live the way it was described that they won. Yeah. Everybody wanted Suri to win because it was the first time and it was by a coach who beat the odds. Yes, yes. Uh, it was I think almost everybody in Surrey County was there. I don't know who was policing the place. <laughs> if somebody wanted to rob every house, they could. Yeah, I think everybody was there. And like I said, everybody, the, the, the stadium was packed. The Siegel Center, which is a very large, you know, gym. It was packed and everybody, you could tell that aside from the opposing team and their few fans, Everybody else was rooting for Coach Ellis. Wow. Uh, I, uh, one of the reporters um, from the TV station, I started calling her Joe's girlfriend. <laughs> she just loved him. She came to the house to interview him. They're at all the ga the games and everything, and she named him Hollywood after the championship game. She and so, so when people told Joe that there could be a movie about his life, what did he say? When when he was told that, he said, well, if it will help somebody, I'm all for it. And who did he want to play turn. you? Excuse me? Who, who did he want to play you? <laughs> I told him. I told him that, oh. I, yeah, they were asking him who, who he thought would play him. And he didn't ever say anything. And I was being nosy over in the kitchen. So I said, you know, I think I'll let Halle Berry play me in the movie. <laughs> And so, so his friend Irvin you said, listening, Hallie? Are you listening? <laughs> so, so, uh, his friend Irvin said, well, after I said that, he got tickled. Irvin did. And he said, so, Joe, Joe, <laughs> he said, who are you going to, who's going to play you? And Joe had this way of looking away when he was getting ready to come out his mouth with something and he looked back at you. He said, if Hallie's playing with playing Doris, I'm playing my own part. <laughs> Not going nowhere. <laughs> That's funny. He said he was playing his own part. Yeah, That's... but he was in favor of it. He said if it would help somebody, he knew that uh, we kept God in it the whole time. We kept faith in the miracle, and we just believed that it was going to happen. 76% of employees have struggled with at least one issue that affected their mental health. When you share... 
you're not alone. Let's talk about when you got the attention of ESPN. Um, and let's talk about uh, James Brown, the, mm-hmm. the sportscaster, did the introduction to your book. He did. He did. Uh, he did. a um, what, what is it called? Not the introduction. I got the book. Thank you. <laughs> he, yeah. uh, he put an acknowledgement. Yes, I remember. The ones that put an acknowledgement in the book. Yeah, and he had called Joe by phone to interview interview him on a radio show that he had during off you know football season. He mm-hmm. had a radio show, and he called him to interview him. Uh, and he also called me back after Joe passed away. That say, was so big you. of him. Let's talk about a banquet where Joe attended, and all of these big coaches were there, and. Joe was talking about even Michael Vick was there, and Joe was yes. talking about um, how what an honor it was to be there. And then they corrected him, say where the honors are. Can you describe that? All right. Yeah, it was the Norfolk Sports Club. They have a banquet every year, and they bring back, um, you know, athletes that have gone to the next level in professional ball, whether basketball or ba- uh, football. And they have all of the uh, college coaches, college athletic directors and everything. It's a big event. And so uh, one of the members' wives said to him, I'm not coming if Joe Ellis doesn't get invited. (laughs) If they got Joe Ellis. So Joe was invited to come and sit at the head table. And he was between... um, Terry Holland and uh, Lefty Drizel. You ever heard that name? Yes. Uh, he was sitting between them. And so he he looked over at them and said, you know, I'm, I'm honored to be sitting between you two big dogs. And so they said to him, you just won the state championship. That makes you the big dog. <laughs> so he was so proud. But when he was introduced that night, it was over a thousand people there. Whoa. And they stood they they stood up and, and you know they applauded the athletes and the coaches, the other coaches when they were introduced. But when Joe was introduced, they clapped more than 60 seconds. They just stood up and they just kept clapping. And so wow. Joe he got up strength and he stood up at the head table and he waved to everybody. Wow. Yep. Mm-hmm. What a story, Doris. What 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 a life together. I remember writing the, the, the screenplay and when I got to the end, I I, I just passed out. I I started crying uncontrollably, just telling the story at the end, and I was like, should I put all of this in the movie? It was it's just the it's you have such an interesting story and a wonderful life um i just i'm so happy i met you and it's been a career high for me and um i love your town i love your church i love your sister seal and (laughs) your niece amy and and keisha and kim and joey and the grandkids everybody's 
they, you guys are such a good American story. And that's, that's what I keep telling investors. You're going to love the story. Virginia is a wonderful place. When we came there to shoot the uh, trailer, I couldn't believe we were on a, the ferry boat, on a ferry boat, the kind of ferry boat that Joe Ellis used to ride home, um, on. And, it was just amazing to try to reenact that and and to be on one of those big ferry boats. I'm I'm from Mobile, Alabama. They didn't really have ferries there, and I live in Atlanta, so there are no ferries here. No ferries so I, was like a, I was like a little kid, said, "Oh, this is this is so awesome." Yeah. I loved it, and the people there are so accommodating and. They Very close community. Yeah, Very. they've been so supportive. Even though every time we have a fundraiser, we never raise what we want, but we do raise enough to get us to the next level. And I'm still hoping for you, Doris, that the right investor will come and invest in this great American story with so many good things happening about sports, about high school, about a wonderful town, and, you know, about a winning coach who right. just never took the time to focus on himself. He always thought about giving. And right. I just love how the media took it upon themselves. They've done two feature stories that I know of. They've been on radio talking about it. The print has talked about it. Corporations have talked about it. And I'm just, just believing your novel is going to be a top seller someday because it really is interesting and it really is the kind of book you can't lay down and um if you had something to say right now to other writers who 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 are telling their story right now how would what would you say to them on how they should keep going right just just uh once you start just stick to it and be determined to finish it, just be authentic. Uh, with my book, uh, a lot of people think that during the time Joe was ill and all the different games and things that I kept a journal, but I never kept a journal. The thing that I um, had to help me a little bit, I had the scorebook from that season. Uh-huh. So that that had some dates that I might not have been able to remember, but mm-hmm. just just be authentic. I mean, you know, I had one sentence in my book that said, I wouldn't ever tell everything because it's not, it's my book. It's your you know, book. You do what you want to do. I do what I want to do. I never, I will never tell every little. Right. You know, right. I, I tell some little frisky parts times we might have had. <laughs> <laughs> But well, um, what's your favorite part of the book? Oh wow, that's a good question. I I would say the um, my book was not written in chapters; it was written like one whole day, starting with the dawn and ending with the dawn of a new day. Yes. That's what it ended with. What made you, what made you do that? I, I, it just came to me not to do chapters, to do it as one whole day. So I have the dawn, the morning, the noon, like that. I guess my favorite part of the book, Kathy, would have to be um, 
the noon because that's when we got married and, you know, fell in love and started having kids and growing our family. That has to be my favorite part, going on vacations, things like that. The hardest part to write and the longest part, of course, was the midnight. Yeah. And that was that the night he passed away? No, when I say midnight, I mean the whole illness. Yes, that that was the midnight. Yes, yes. When he passed away, that was the beginning of the dawn of a new day. Yeah, that that part like knocked me for a loop because you talked about him uh, being in his favorite chair in the the den and he just slept away and you noticed he wasn't moving and the way you described it, I, I, I keep struggling with whether it should make the movie. I wrote it. I wrote mm-hmm. it the way it happened and, and your pen to my pen and the way I described it, it was mind blowing. I mean, all the people, once you guys realized he was gone then what happened in that room and how when you were waiting for the the, the, the uh, emergency uh, 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 unit to come um, and how the players came and how he was still there in the house. And, oh, it was mind blowing and how they were saying farewell. And yeah. then at the end, you said the, the players were kind of upset because they had to can't be his uh, paw barriers. And mm-hmm. they didn't, I think they were in denial and didn't want him, they didn't want to bury him. They didn't. When I realized that he really, once the paramedics got there, and I realized that he really was not breathing, and I asked him, they kept, you know, putting things in his throat and everything. And I said, then we have to let him go. We just have to let him go. You know, and then um, I bent over and I whispered in his ear and told him it was okay. It was okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know how word travels. Right. His two two star players ended up at my house, but they had taken them away. Um, We had so many kids in the house. They were not in the room where everything was going on. So we made sure they stayed out of the room grandchildren and nieces and nephews, but Kim asked the uh, paramedics to please just take him to the squad building and not leave him because he would have been in the floor there probably about an hour, hour and a half until somebody got there to get him. Right. Well, we're going to have to wrap it up, but is there anything you'd like to say uh, to the audience about your book and how they should rush out right now and buy it. <laughs> rush out and buy going out of champion the Coach Joella's story. What a love story uh, from Doris Ellis, Joe Ellis, number 24, number yeah. 24. Then Joey was number 24, right? Joey was number 24. And wait a minute. And the legacy continues. You have a grandson. Actually, three have been three? four. Uh-huh. But okay, now, now the number is retired at Surrey. His number is retired, so nobody gets 24 anymore. So what about Trey? Trey is 24, right? Trey was 24 at Prince George, but when he got okay. to Surrey, he couldn't get 24 because it had already been retired. 
and they named it. They named the gym after Joe, right? While he was living. Whoa. He knew about that. He was alive when that was done. When the school board voted to do that, he was alive. That is yes, an incredible story. All I can say is, folks. If you want to see an American story, a great one, you don't want to miss uh, going out a champion because it is incredible. Doris, you did an awesome job on that story. And then having to write your own life is, mm-hmm. is not an easy thing to do. But um, I'm really, really happy for you. And it's, it's been such a joy to have you on the show. I hope it's been fun. It's been a lot of fun. Well, did we miss anything you want to talk about? No, just just tell uh, just to tell the audience to be sure to go out and get the book. It's get available. Book. It's available on Amazon, uh, Barnes and Nobles, and also um, the the publishing company. Oh my goodness, Arthur House. Yeah, Arthur you can't House. Publisher. Arthur House. Arthur House. Yes. Yeah. So go out and get really it. Good. I promise you, it will bless you. It will bless it will. you. It's a story. It's a love story, just as Kathy said, a sports story, but it's also a story of faith and perseverance, determination. It will bless you. I promise. Yes. And thank you for coming on the show and we just appreciate it so much. Uh, you're the first girl. I know. I've had all men on the show. <laughs> I've seen your other shows. Great shows. Great Thank shows. you so much. I'm so happy to have yeah. a girl. We get to honor. <laughs> yeah. And you, do you want to mention, do you want to give a shout out to anyone? Uh, your children, your church, the sorority? Uh... Oh, wow. Yeah. Shout out to my family. First of all, my son, Joey, my two daughters, Kimberly and Keisha, my six wonderful grandchildren. Get these names now. Keon, Kiana, Kevon, Joseph the third, aka Trey, Ke- uh, Joel, aka Jojo, <laughs> and Jaden, my daughter-in-law, Danielle. I love her just like my daughters. My church family, Jerusalem Baptist Church, Pastor Brown, George Ellis Brown, and the wonderful, beautiful ladies of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority. All right, now. <laughs> and your beautiful <laughs> sister, Theo. Yes, Theo. Yes. And Tyrone. Jane. And the list goes on and on. Goes on. Jane. Jane. Love you, Jane. And that's our show. I hope you enjoyed the Kathy Barat Show, broadcasting on BBS Radio TV on the iHeart Network. Until next time, bye-bye. And this is the Christmas season, so don't forget to be joyous and happy holidays. Happy holidays. Happy holidays.